Welcome to You're the Boss, a mantra for anyone who's ever had to face their own fears, struggles, and even failures. Join host Larry Roberts for a deep dive into overcoming limiting beliefs and identifying where our pasts can shape us rather than define us to build a lifestyle and business filled with passion and purposeful leadership. You're the Boss will bring you proven techniques and mind shifts to help you achieve your goals and build your best life. Now your host, Larry Roberts. Today I've got somebody that really resonates with me because he's all about telling stories. And I do love a good story. So, you know, from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed, we are influenced by branding. What shirt am I going to wear? What car do I drive? What deodorant, marketing firm, beer, and on and on. There's a lot of noise out there and standing out isn't easy. Starting his career in screenwriting with Academy Award-winning director Oliver Stone, Mark Gutman blends storytelling, psychology, and design to help brands outmaneuver their competition. An entrepreneur, speaker, and Instagram social media influencer, Mark helps build brands that stand out and get you noticed. Mark. Larry, thank you. That was an excellent intro. If I could have you like follow me around and just kind of read that as I start my day, that would be fantastic. Maybe I'll play it on loop after this airs. (laughs) You'd be surprised at how many voiceover gigs I land just from doing podcast intros. They're like, dude, we have to have you rep our brand. So it works out. I love it. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised at all. I get it. You're, You're awesome. Thank you. That was a great intro and I'm Super excited to be here. Appreciate it, man. So tell us more, man. You're a storyteller and I mean, not just of the fireside kind of guy. You're, you're, you're telling big stories in the company of really, really massive names. I mean, Oliver Stone's just one, but you've worked with a ton of people that have uh, some really heavy name recognition. How did that all get started? I have, you know, well, like I grew up in Detroit, Larry, and while it was a good place to grow up, nothing happened. Nothing happened in Detroit. It was pretty pretty boring. And so my whole life, my whole contextual understanding of the world came from movies, came from TV. Like, you know, it's like, I was, you know, it came from uh, back when they had print media and I would, you know, thumb through Thrasher magazine or all these other, other things. And what does Thrasher tell you? What do the movies tell you? What does TV tell you? That California is the single greatest place on this planet. It's where you got to so, be brother. That's where you got to be. So <laughs> left, you know, college in Michigan and went out to the greatest land in the world, California. And I got out to Venice beach cause that's where I had always read about. I had never been there and I was going to rent an apartment there and I was scared to death. Uh, it was, it was a scary place. It's, it's come a long way since then. It's now the cool place. But at the time, all those cool skateboarders, you know, I don't know if you've seen any of the dog town stuff, but they, uh, they had a hard life. I, I had romanticized it. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was, they were all sun kissed and hanging out in you know, backyard pools. And I didn't realize how rough it was. So Got out there and I and I worked in the movie business. That was my that was my dream because I had I'd seen all these movies and that's what I wanted to do. And I had a an amazing uh, sort of start to my career. Uh, and as you mentioned, I I fell into working uh, with Oliver Stone as his story editor. Learned everything about story in like a crash course. You know, I mean, I would literally you might not you might be able to see it, but one of the greatest 
sort of achievements of my career to this day is I, you know, I always thought I was going to get fired in that job. Uh, like every day, like, I'd like, like you would be missing like a page in a script or whatever, you know, you just got something wrong. And I was, I was always on edge. And one day kind of came out into a small bullpen and, and we were a small production company and there were about like eight or nine people and they're kind of standing there with, you know, troubling looks on their faces. And I was like, this is, this is it. This is, this is where I'm getting the ax. Uh, and they actually instead presented me with an LL Bean tote bag that had the name of the production company on the, the side called Illusion. Uh, that tote bag sits right over here. It's all kind of beat up. But that was so you could carry, you could have the honor of carrying about 15 to 20 scripts home every day, each at 120 pages and read, you know, probably 10 a night or whatever. So I, I really learned quickly uh, and it was more of a scramble catch up kind of kind of situation, but I learned all about story and I went from there and ended up working, you know, wrote some scripts for him that were unproduced, but also spent a lot of time working on an animation project at Warner brothers, uh, which was uh, a movie called osmosis Jones, which if you have yeah. any familiarity with that, yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah. Chris rocks white blood cell and yes. Bill Murray's bodies. Like, you know, yeah. that was the big joke back then. Right. And <laughs> make Chris rock a white blood cell. And, uh, and, very, very, uh, and, and, and with the pandemic now and everything kind of, kind of interesting parallels, but the really cool thing about that was I got to see the story on the wall and that story for about a year. Right. And we really would, would break down and discuss every little bit, a little different than a live action movie. We're like, well, we're just going to kind of keep pushing this forward. So, you know, I, I had, you know, great successes, but I was, I was young. And, and so I had always dreamed of coming to Colorado and uh, I came out here to take a break. I was running the, the cartoon version of Osmosis Jones for Warner Brothers at the time. And uh, there was something else that I thought was way cooler happening than the movies, way cooler than hanging out in Hollywood. And that was, there was this entrepreneurial movement happening here in, in Boulder and uh, Denver and a big startup community. And I was like, these people are cool. These are the people that I want to hang out with. They're actually making something out of nothing they are, you know, and that was kind of something I was wrestling with when I was trying to figure out who I was when I was working the movies. I'm like, I'm writing these stories, but like, you know, they're just kind of, just kind of writing these stories and there's total value to that. But I was, I was searching for something a little different. And, and, and I found it here in Colorado because people were doing crazy things. They were starting businesses. I mean, this is kind of at the advent of the entrepreneur craze that there wasn't the sort of identity that there is today, which is great. I mean, that was the foundation and that, and that's what happened. And sure something really interesting was happening at that time because everyone loves to talk about the movies and they were like, Oh, you worked in the movie business. We help us tell your our story. And I was like, yes, I will. And then it ended badly <laughs> for both sides. Like, like it just, like neither side was happy. I was like struggling, trying to figure out what they meant. No one had, no one really had this contextual definition of what is a story in business. And, and they were unhappy because they had meant, Hey, we just want, we, we want you to help us figure, they were asking me to do like their about page, but what they really meant was they wanted like the brand DNA of their business figured out. Okay. They were asking me to do stuff for a website, but what they really meant was that they didn't have the whole brand and brand strategy foundation figured out. So that took me a long time to figure out in between there, I'd started a tech company and we were selling a lot of collaboration services, just like Zoom that we're on now. And, you know, and I wasn't always the best entrepreneur, but I loved branding and marketing. And that's where I put all my energy and we were able to stand out and build that business. And I sold that and it turned out to be a good, good scenario. But in parallel, 
Um, I was always building this business wild story and trying to figure it out. And, you know, I'll, I'll tighten up the story a little bit, but over time I was like, Oh, the reason we can't come to a common definition of story. The reason these clients are telling me they want a story for their website, but they're unhappy, even though I thought I'm delivering exactly what I wanted was because they hadn't figured out their brand first. They haven't figured out what they were all about first. And so it doesn't matter how good your execution is on your copy, on your social, on your logo, your website, whatever it might be, it's going to fail if you don't have that underlying brand strategy stuff figured out. And so that's really what I talk about today all the time. That's what I preach. It's a fundamental principle of our agency is it must start with strategy. Many times when we're trying to convey our story or even develop our story, there might be some hesitation on our part. And and, and it's, it's kind of interesting that we're talking today because I was just at a business conference this past Saturday. And I didn't know I was going to speak, but the organizer asked me to, to, to get up and, and do 15 minutes. And I spoke about sharing your story. And it's interesting because I have a difficult time even sharing my story. People that get to know me, they hear certain aspects of my story. And I'm like, ah, people don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that part of me or, you know, yeah, we've all had hardships in our lives. We've all had things that we've had to overcome. They don't want to hear my story of having to go through those developmental stages of our lives. But the fact of the matter is that our story is really a, a core and a centerpiece of our brand. And my story is, is a centerpiece of my brand. How can we frame our story in a way that can help people and it not come across as just kind of uh, uh, the, the typical hardship story or even as the term that I've coined, uh, pity porn, where, where, oh, my story's so sad. Let me share this story with you because it's so sad. And here's where I'm at today. How do we do that in a way that, that is constructive and not necessarily destructive to our goals? Great question, Larry, you know, and I think to set this up and, and then I'll give some actionable, actionable insight and direction to this, but cool. there's a couple things going on there, right? First and foremost, people don't know what story to tell, right? They're like, what story do I tell? And just because you have a story doesn't mean you should tell it, right? <laughs> like I clearly chose out of, and everyone here has hundreds and thousands of stories, and I clearly chose certain stories to share with you just in the beginning there, because I want to convey information. I want you to understand certain things about me. That's, that's part of my story, you know? And, you know, like I said, not all stories are great. Like one of the things I worked, learned working for Oliver is he would accept anybody that had a screenplay that, you know, and I read so many personal stories. They're, they're not good. Right. They, they weren't they, 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 like, like, like everyone doesn't have a great story. Now, let me, let me back up on that. Cause I'm saying that wrong. Everyone has a great story, but you just gotta know which one to tell. And those were not good stories that they told. Now, which ones to tell, you know what I do. So I've been public speaking a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, and I open and I, and I wrap and I close each of my keynotes with a story. And I really think about, so I have a, you know, basically a story journal or a list of stories that I can tell in any given situation. And, and for example, yeah, we don't, would you call it the pity, pity porn? Pity porn. Yes. 
Yeah, pity porn. So, you know, I, I don't know if I'd go so far as to call it pity porn, but I have one that's like, hey, I want to like relay the idea that I know where you've been, that I've been in your shoes, right? So that's one story. I have another story. It's like, hey, when did you hold back on taking action? But when you did, something amazing happened, right? It has nothing to do with my business. It's actually a story about how I'd always wanted to go to Africa as a kid, kind of told my family I was going to Africa, never took action, always had an excuse. And then one day I was at a live fundraiser with my wife and, you know, I probably had too much to drink that, that night. I put my hand up. I was the only bid way over my skis. Right. And didn't have the money to cover the bid, but it was a trip to Africa. We ended up going as a family to this day. Like it was stretch. I, I was puckered up. Right. But it, it turned out to be one of the greatest things that's ever happened in my life. And it was because I took that chance and I, and I use that to close keynote a lot of times and say, Hey, if you're thinking about working on your brand, you got to put your hand up. You got to take that chance. Can't keep saying someday. Right. So that that's an example of what, and so what I'd really like to do, cause like I'm on this podcast and I'm just kind of chirping and going crazy, but I'll, I'll confess to everybody on this, this podcast, like I get super anxious and nervous when I public speak. And one of the reasons that I know, and one of the triggers is if I don't feel confident or prepared or, you know, that I, that I have it. And so having that story journal, thinking of all the different types of stories and the action that you want people to take and the emotions you want them to feel, and then having that briefcase or that toolkit of stories, then you can just rattle them off. Right. And one last thing on this, it doesn't have to be an amazing story. Like, like uh, my, my, one of my speaking coaches, this guy, Pat Quinn, he tells a story about like growing tomatoes, like, and like how, like he, like, and he loves to grow tomatoes and he cared for them. And he, you know, and he uses that as a metaphor for business. And it's a true story. It's all about how he grows tomatoes. It's what he's into. And so what I would encourage people to think about is what are these sort of like little life lessons you're learning along the way? Like, did you go to the market and you had a weird interaction with someone that like kind of changed your perspective and then capture those, write those down, have those as part of your repertoire, go back in your history and think about the cool stories and where they might be able to be used for, for storytelling. And then when you get into these situations, you won't be like me, you won't be panicked. You won't have anxiety. You'll be really prepared. And that's really, I think the difference for a lot of people. Crafting a story though is, can be a challenge and not many of us are as talented as someone like yourself where we can sit back and think about even growing tomatoes and making that a story. What are some of the key things we should look for in, in the process of crafting a story? We need to have this, this opener. We need to have a, a body of the story. Then we have to have this awakening and then a closing of the story. What, what are some of the steps there that we need to take into consideration when we're crafting? Yeah, we can get into story structure, but I think even before that, the two biggest mistakes I see, and if you can master these two things, you'll be light years ahead of everybody else. One, something's got to happen, right? Like I, I have this friend, literal story, his name is Bobby. You tell a story, go on and on and nothing happens. He's like, and then we did this and then we did that. And we're like, we're all like on edge because you're waiting for that kind of that tip, right? Of the story of what happens. We're like, what happened? And then he's like, that was it. And we're like, so unfulfilled, right? Because nothing 
happened. And so something has to happen, you know, and so even like growing tomatoes, you know, when I tell that story about Africa, it's like, I I wanted to go to Africa. I couldn't make it happen. And then I went and it was risky, but then it worked out. Right. Pretty, pretty easy, easy story. The other thing I would really recommend to all storytellers, almost in any kind of storytelling, I can't really think where this doesn't apply is think of your story in like little episodic scenes and take me into the action right away. I don't need to know the whole buildup and how you got here and why you got here and your wife's name and, and your dog's name and where you met, like, just get right in and tell me there I am. I'm on my knee and I don't know if she's going to say yes. All of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, you got me, right? Like, yeah, I'm ready. I want to know what happens next. And so I would say just jump right into the action. And then thirdly, it's interesting. Your, yeah. And I don't mean I don't mean to interrupt, but just to kind of reinforce that, just just with that one sentence, there I am on my knee, or two sentences, and I don't know if she's gonna say yes. That instantly, anybody that's ever proposed, it instantly takes you in to that moment. You recall when Now, me personally, I wasn't on my knee. I was sitting on the counter, and I looked over to my bride-to-be, who is now my bride of 20 years. She's cooking a a, a boxed pizza, and I go, so uh, what do you think about being the next Mrs. Roberts? Romantic, isn't it? So, (laughs) But but for those of you that are more traditional, on your knee, don't know if she's going to say yes. You feel that anxiety. You feel that anticipation. You have that fear. I mean, maybe even you, you can kind of feel the butterflies, but just those two sentences right there is, is a demonstration of putting you right there in the moment. And to me, that's amazing. Yeah, well, and most likely, like, that's a great example. And I love that you had like a little bit of a contrarian experience because I think that's perfect because it doesn't matter. Like, like you get what I'm trying to tell you, but your mind went back to sitting on the counter and frozen pizza, like, like, and that's the emotion that you're resonating with. So it doesn't matter that you got on your knee. It doesn't even matter that you propose. We all have a contextual understanding of what that means. Most of us at, by the age of 12 have had some sort of chance where we put ourselves out there with another human being. Right. So it, it doesn't even have to be exactly like that. And that's, what's so powerful when you share your story, what leads me to think of like, you know, I told you not to like do like a billion details running up, but I also think that the more specific, and that's not that I think this is a pretty universal storytelling. (laughs) It's not just me. Uh, The more specific you are, the more universal it becomes. And that, and and we just outlined a really great example of that or gave a great example. It's like, I I got specific about being on the, by the way, I've never even said that before. I just was like scrambling. I'm like, what am I going to say? Like to jump into the action, you know? (laughs) But um, you know, I gave an example of getting on the knee wasn't specific to you, but it was universal to you. And that's what happened. So like, don't be afraid to like, take me right into the action because we all get it. Right. Like, even if you say like, like I was with my dad, you're instantly going, you know, where's my dad? Is my dad still alive? Do I have a dad? Would I have a good dad? I have a bad dad. It doesn't matter who you are. You're just trying to connect and, and, and start to build that parallel story in your head as we're talking. So you know, th- those are some, those are some ideas and insights that might be able to help your audience for sure. No, I think that's great. A lot of times, even if we can craft a story though, we have a very difficult time relating that back to our business. How can storytelling set us apart? 
Yeah. So this is where like I get really passionate about brand and brand strategy. And this is why I say that it must start with strategy because you know, that first part of brand strategy is what we call your brand DNA. It's few things like your mission, vision, values, your purpose, right? Then you get into customers, who are your target customers, what's your competitive, you know, difference, things like that, right? What's your position in the market? Then you get into your brand personality. Then we find, and then, and then this is like where the rubber kind of really meets the road for a lot of brands. Then we come up with messaging frameworks at this point. What are the key themes Right. And so when you think about the stories that you want to tell in your business, they should all consistently emanate out of those themes. We don't need to tell everybody everything about us. Now, this is where in that brand DNA part, we, we lean into who we are, especially when we're smaller businesses, but even bigger businesses do this. You know, what makes us special? What's our, what's our you know, POV on life and, and what's our worldview? And we infuse that into the business. But, you know, I like to think, you know, a great example, of this is like Patagonia, right? I like to think that there are brand managers sitting around and thinking, hey, can we say something different? Can we not talk about public lands? Can we not talk about don't recycle this jacket? Can we not talk about protecting our watersheds? They're like, nope, that's our brand DNA. That's what we're going to talk about. And they're like, okay. Now, so you take those themes and you tell different stories around those themes, but you have guide rails, you know why you're telling certain stories. And again, I think that's where most people get lost and they don't understand why, because they're like, what story do I tell? I mean, we're natural storytellers, even the worst among us, us worst amongst us are, you know, we're good storytellers, like as innately, like, like it happens. And it really comes down to what story do I tell? Because you haven't really figured out the brand strategy stuff figuring out your key messages. And then you just want to consistently tell people all about that. Because remember, like for most of us, we're here to solve a problem for our customers and hopefully make some money, right? Like, mo- like most of our, most of our doc, we're, most of us are dot coms. We're not dot orgs, you know? And so mm-hmm. we, we need to keep those messages focused and you can start to think about, well, Hey, you know, I need to tell, stories about my values and who I am. I need to tell stories about my product. I need to tell stories about the people that we serve. But, you know, what I will say is that most people don't want to hear a lot of stories about your product or service. They just don't, you know, and so you really want to use those sparingly. What a lot of people really want to hear about is the feelings and the successes that your product or service delivers, right? So where does it take them? For, so here's a great example, right? We do some work with a fortune 100 company called Thor industries. They're the largest RV manufacturer in the world. They're the parent to Airstream, which Mm -hmm. most people are familiar with and about 20 other brands. They're not telling a ton of stories right now about RVs and metal boxes. And like, you know, they're not just focused bang, bang, bang on those RVs. They're following people that use those RVs and taking their audience and their, and their community to places and that feeling that you get when you use the RV. So we did some work with them and we shot this, uh, this brand film uh, all about the freshwater lake life in, in Northern Michigan, about these two young women who own a surf shop up in Empire. What up ladies? And, uh, <laughs> and you know, and, and, and that the RV is just this conduit to take you on this like endless journey to go chase what you truly care about and what you're passionate about. 
And that's what people respond to. And companies like Thor really get that, right? They're not putting big trailers in the middle of a brand film. I mean, how boring would that be, right? You, you wouldn't watch that. No, but at the same time, does that work for Thor and not work for Joe's hardware down the street? You know, Thor being such a massive name and a massive company, overseeing, as you mentioned, 20 some odd brands. But then you got little guy over here that's trying to make an impact as well. How does he tell that story? Because they can tell the story and they can show the the babbling brook and somebody fly fishing or something with the Airstream or, or whatever the camper is in the distance. And then maybe do a splash page of the logo or something at the end of the commercial. Joe's Hardware over here, he's got to elicit that same emotional response, but he doesn't have nearly as epic a story or as epic a budget. How can we get that story across as entrepreneurs, as small business, as mid-sized business owners? Poor Joe. I feel so bad for Joe. <laughs> no, I don't, Joe. I'm not going to let you off the hook. You can't use it as an excuse anymore. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I have not worked with a single company in my career that's had too much budget. Thor doesn't run around saying we have so much budget. We don't know what to do with it. No, they like, they are constrained with what they have and they, they make the most of what they have. You know, we're living in an era where you have no excuses. Everyone has a pocket communication device, film studio. You know, Joe has an equal opportunity to build a audience and hopefully turn it into a community as does Thor. I would actually argue Thor has it harder because they're like this, monolithic corporation, you know, they're a manufacturing company. What's, what's so cool about that? You know, and I love you, Thor, you're doing a great job, but, um, <laughs> sidebar. Yeah. Sidebar. And, you know, and here's a little secret, Larry, little companies spend all their time wishing they were like big companies that I had the budget. I had this, I had that, you know, I don't know what big companies are sitting around wishing they were like small companies because small companies are cool. Small companies are nimble. Small companies can do things that a big company could never, ever do. And so, you know, I think the first step that Joe has to do is recognize that, you know, they're branding their service, right? And that things like a competitive advantage due to geography just don't exist anymore. And so like, what are you gonna do to enroll people into your story? There's so many different things, right? I mean, we could, we could talk end of the day, you know, just all day long, but I mean, like I've, I watch people do random hardware installations on TikTok and, and Instagram reels, like until all of a sudden I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's been two hours. What just happened? You know, they're not, that's not, you know, big brands doing that. That's small content creators. And I think that what I would tell any business is you really need to start thinking like a content studio you need to start using this in some form or fashion and, and start telling that story. I think what, what most little brands think is I don't have a story worth telling. So I'll just tell you. Yeah, that kind of not... goes back to how it was opening is that, you know, nobody wants to hear my story, even if it's not pity porn, it's just a small story. I'm just, I'm just Joe hardware guy. Nobody wants to hear, you know, how I'm banging two by fours together with this cool new hammer or anything like that. They, how do I get over that? And, and, you know, at the same time, how do we tell compelling stories in a short amount of time? You're talking about getting on the phone and jumping on your TikToks. Uh, what's TikTok got 60 seconds these days? Some of those TikToks seem like they're about three minutes long, but they're, I'm sure they're still just 60 seconds. But 
how do you convey that same story? Get that story across in such a short amount of time. I think this, this the, the the timing aspect comes right down to take me right into the action, right? Like I don't need to know all this other stuff. I think people to spend so much time trying to set up set up the story. Let's just get right into it. What's the punchline? Tell, tell me, you know, it's what's funny happening? You said that that's what went through my head was comedy. You know, comedians, yeah. the, the, the top notch comedians, uh, their jokes are very short to the point. There's not a lot of, of frivolous word use there before they get to the punchline. And you'll hear them talking about tightening up their material. It's that exactly getting rid of all the fluff and getting right into the punchline. Yeah. So, what, I mean, what, so I've done some stand up, right. And I kind of forget the, the, total structure, but I think it's, you know, set up punchline throwaway, right? And it's a very boom, boom, boom. It's like set up the joke, deliver that punchline, throw, give the throwaway line, the kind of like get a little coda and then mm-hmm. go to the next one. Right. And then you're just thinking, and all you're trying to do in stand up is link your jokes. Right. So then it's like, all right, well then how do I link it as fast as possible? Um, same, same idea. And I think that people just need to get over this idea that they don't have a story uh, to tell. Everyone has one. There's, there's this world that we live in is so hyper-connected. There's going to be people that are interested. You don't need to have thousands of followers. You need a hundred really great followers that like love you and want to buy your stuff. And the only way to do that is to tell your story, not sell your products, but tell your story. What are you doing? Who are you? What do you care about? What are the behind the scenes at Joe's Hardware? What are you doing that day? Does Joe Hardware like to like, do they have a cycling team? Do they like to do something different outside of hardware? Like, you know, what are the different things? And here's, here's a pro tip. What can you do in storytelling or creating content that adds value beyond your product or service to your desired customer's life, right? So a great example for hardware would be like, what are a bunch of different videos they could do about home improvement or improving your backyard or all this types of things. Right. Um, and you could even keep running that and connecting that. Oh, well, if those people are into that. You know, maybe I can help them pick out furniture. Maybe I can help them with design services, stuff you might not even sell, but you know, it's a value to your target audience. And that's what we really like. And I, and I challenge everyone to think about the brands that they interact with in content it's not because you're going to be buying from them every day. It's because, right. right? Like, like rarely do we wake up. Here's a newsflash, everybody listening. Nobody's waking up being like, I need your products and services today. And then going and have coffee and being like, I need the, your, like your brand. And then going to breakfast, I need your brand and so on throughout the day. Right. We come and go in the, the mind of our, of our customers. And we just got to be there and be ready in a really good way to do that is through storytelling, you know, sharing our experience as well as uh, adding value beyond your products and services. You can do that all, all through content. You know, and I grew my Instagram following, you know, I have nothing to say. I have nothing interesting. I don't talk about basically anything we talked about on this podcast. Like I, I grew my, my Instagram following over the pandemic. I had 500 followers. Most of those were family and friends. I thought Instagram was for sharing, you know, pictures of my food, my snowboarding trips, you know, things like that. Yeah. That's why I don't use it. Yeah. And I said, (laughs) well, I'm going to turn this, I'm going to try to turn this into like a revenue generator. And so I made an, I anguished over this decision to make it a, you know, a business sort of uh, platform because I thought everyone would would hate me. Right. So for those of you out there who, you know, are worried about telling your story, I have the same thing. I was like, everyone's going to hate me. Everyone's going to think that I'm, you know, I'm just like selfish and I'm using this for 
for all, you know, rotten, evil, ill gains. And uh, I ended up, what I, what I do now on Instagram at Mark Gutman, if you want to check it out, is I do 10 slide carousels. They're all text-based. And I give branding and, you know, insights and that's the value I'm giving people beyond my products and services. I'm teaching all people about brand, giving thoughts. And uh, I grew that at the height to about 20,000 followers in about eight months. Uh, Right now, I think we're at 18,000 because it's been so successful. Like I'm having trouble keeping up with the deal flow and uh, staying on top of it. So we took the summer off. I, I will be getting back to to publishing regularly on Instagram, but that's an example. I'm just, I'm a single person who didn't think I had anything interesting to say. And, and, and I was able to do that. And Lord knows there's people out there that want to hear me talk. So if there's, if there's, if, if, if there's an audience for me, a community for me, there's a community and audience for you. Like, you know, you're in business. I'm sure sure you're interesting and you have, you have your people. That's, that's really amazing because so many times, even I sit here as a podcaster, this is what I do. This is what I do all day, every day. And I still sit there and I still have that little voice going, no one wants to hear your story. And I was really, really bad several years back when I started podcasting about what I, I, I still call hiding behind the mic. You know, I, I, was, I was back here behind the mic instead of on the mic, in front of the mic. And I even hid myself from everything. It wasn't my podcast. And I would even say that. It's not my podcast because no one wants to hear from me. They want to hear from my guests. And I learned over time that that's simply not the case. It is my podcast, and I do need to be in front of the mic. And so many times, other business owners, I know they're doing the exact same thing. I spoke to dozens of them this past Saturday. They're all doing that. They're all afraid to get out there. They're all afraid to tell their story. They're all afraid of the rejection, for one. And they're all afraid of it being damaging to their business just by being honest and telling their story. But Man, I, I think at least with the information that you provided today, we hopefully we've driven home the fact that your story is a critical component to your business. It is. And I think it gets easier. And this is where I think, you know, business owners have a hard time. They want to either be awesome at it right away. It's, it's a skill. You got to flex it. You got to practice it. Or they tell one story and, you know, and I'm like this because I'm so sensitive. Like if I, you know, if I don't get carried out of the room on people's shoulders, I am like, <laughs> I'm like, what happened? You know, like I'm right like, here, man. Oh, I come home. I'm gonna tell my wife. She's like, how was your day? I was like, it was awful. Everyone hated me. And I was like, she'll be like, what'd they say? And like they, they, they said I was really good. And she's like, what do you mean? What, what do you mean? They hated you? I was like, well, they didn't like, they didn't like jump up and shut down with joy, you know? And, and, and so that's true. I mean, that's, you know, so we have to overcome that. But, and I think another way that we can really overcome that is with frequency right? So get out there, tell a lot of stories, record a lot of podcasts. I'm sure you feel a lot more confident now than you did on your first one. And, and that, that's just, there's no magic formula to that. It's like, once you start getting out there and and telling your story and that's why social is great. A lot of times it's like radio, you know, I mean, if you want to test something out, go to Twitter, go to, go to Instagram and see if anyone cares. And by the way, you can either delete it or it's just going to go into the ether like, don't worry about it, you know, and like, get out there, get a lot of reps. And because here's the other thing. Why do you think Hollywood creates a bunch of stinkers, right? They, they spent a hundred million dollars on a movie and it bombs. Yeah. Because we only know so much about storytelling, 
We know the components, but it's a framework. It's not a formula and people's tastes change. And so some of your stories are going to bomb. Some are going to be a huge hit. Like sometimes I put stuff out there and I'm like, I can't believe all these people loved this thing. And then conversely, I'm like, how did you not love this piece of genius? Right. And, and it just, it's just the way it goes. And even sometimes I'll regurgitate a story bombs the first time hits the second time. So part of that is just putting yourself out there. I'm not kidding. I anguished for like weeks about flipping my Instagram. Now it seems funny, but at the time it was like my heart hurt. Like I was scared. I thought everyone was going to just think I was the worst person in the world. And, you know, I just took that step. I kind of forced myself to do it, but I want to let everyone know, like if you're feeling it's not easy, it doesn't feel easy, but it's easier than you think. And so just start getting those reps. And then one day you're like, oh, I just do this and I don't care. And if the haters are out, like whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. So. Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head there. You're going to have haters guys. Uh, There's somebody I talk to almost on a daily basis. He's got a YouTube channel that's growing pretty good but he still gets these, these nasty comments and man, it just destroys him. It just destroys him. And I'm like, bro, there, there's, there's no profile picture. It's some weird name and they're just talking smack. So you're going to get that. You're going to get negativity. It's the internet and it happens on the internet, but we can't let that impact us. And we can't let that stop us from jumping on there and telling our story on whatever platform it is that you feel best fits you, your story and your brand. So be prepared for that. But yeah, d- definitely don't let it, don't let it hinder you in any way. Yeah. And tell your friend he's on the right track. If he's getting people that are taking the time, even, you know, no matter how worthless the comments are, if they're taking the time and he's getting a reaction. Sweet. Yeah. Because you know, the worst thing you can have is indifference. We want people to love us, of course. We only want the right people to love us. I don't need everyone to love me. I just want the people that, that want to love me to love me. And if, and if I'm not your cup of tea, that's okay too. Now, does that hurt my feelings? Yeah, sometimes because, you know. You it's know, going to sting I, a little I, bit, but it's all yeah, right. I got, this thing, I got this thing where I want everyone to like me just like everybody else. But, you know, I could look past it. And I do know, you know, you know it, that we're not for everybody. We're not for every business. Our, our worldview, our point of view isn't the only one out there. You know, that, that's like the cool thing about this world and the Internet and the world we're living in today. I mean, there, you know, <laughs> if someone doesn't agree with your point of view, you're just not looking hard enough because uh, they're out there for sure. Right on. Right on. Well, Mark, tell us where we can find out more about you other than Instagram. You've already given us our Instagram, but give it again if you want. Tell us where we can find out more about you and uh, and, and telling stories, man. Yeah, well, thanks, Larry. I know I just threw a lot out there. Uh, we have a ton of resources. I'm going to keep it easy. If you're in the car, you're on a jog, or you're doing something else, why don't you just shoot me an email at goodstuffatwildstory.com because I want to give you the good stuff, goodstuff at wildstory.com. I'll send you a link with all sorts of resources, every way to contact me. You can listen to our podcast, the Baby Got Backstory podcast. Uh, you can uh, connect with me on Insta or I'm active on LinkedIn as well. That'll be 100% the best way. So just shoot me an email at goodstuff at wildstory.com and we'll make sure to get you anything that you might be interested in as far as it relates to brand and starting that first step of your journey of, building a business that outmaneuvers their competition. I love it. I love it. Well, Mark, thank you so very much for being a part of this episode of the podcast, man. We've learned a lot and I can't wait to start sharing my story more. So thanks, man. 
yeah, don't wait, start sharing it. And Larry, this was awesome. Thanks for having me and just have, you know, tell your listeners uh, that I uh, hope they share their story as well. Right on, man. So until next week, I'll see you then. Take care. Bye. You've just listened to You're the Boss with Larry Roberts. Join us for our next episode where we help you achieve your goals and live your absolute best life. Be sure to subscribe, connect, and share. Until next time, remember, you're the boss.